0: Hi, I'm James Vincent, host of Leaders in Innovation, a most innovative companies podcast from Fast Company. I'm a founding partner at Founder, where we help give voice to vision for founders. We've had the privilege to work with some of the biggest founders of our time, from Steve at Apple, Brian at Airbnb, Evan at Snap, Jason at Discord, and many, many more. We're back for a new season, and this year we speak to Leaders in Innovation. In an era where things are changing so quickly, it demands a new playbook for innovation. From emerging technologies like biotech to completely new categories like AI, innovating simply at the product level is not enough. To get to true impact, scale, and mass adoption now requires innovation across multiple levels. You have to design around systemic issues such as supply chain, go-to-market, new types of partnership and new ways of working, as well as technology and product experience innovation. Whilst we're going to be talking about AI and new foods and biotech, we're really going to be compiling a new innovators playbook with lessons you can apply no matter the size of your company or the job title you hold. I am super excited to have Hovhanes from Pixar with me today. Hovhannis is operating at the bleeding edge of Gen AI. He's a pioneer from the very early days. Hovhanes, it's great to see you again. I remember you and I in London together talking about how you were inspired by your daughter to create Pixar, and that was a couple of years ago now, and you've gone on to become a significant powerhouse at the forefront of Gen AI and creativity for a whole new generation. I'd love to hear you tell us more about Pixar, why you started it, and what you're up to.
1: We are a content creation platform, created because of my daughter. I want to make something for her, to make her creative and empower her. And I saw that what I'm doing for my daughter could really resonate well with other teenagers and Gen Zs. And that was my prime motivation, to empower creators in all of us to make something amazing and have fun. And also as you mentioned, I was also you know, a former scientist like in the nineties when AI was not cool. And last years we see like a really the uh, renaissance of AI and it's uh, became such a transformative technology, It feels like a new electricity. It's really empowering many companies, but also enables new kind of creativity. If you really look historically, like when photography was introduced, people thinking like it was going to kill like fine art, but it doesn't. It just creates a new kind of art how people can express themselves. If you really think about Photoshop, the digital arts, it doesn't kill traditional arts. It just creates a new kind of art. With generative AI, we are introducing a new kind of art. And not necessarily only art, but also new kind of creativity which can help us to express ourselves or do our business better and really enjoy what we are doing. So I think this is another spiral of the you know, development of the technology which really empowers
0: and creates new opportunities for all of us. Bob Dylan had an electric guitar in 1967, and everybody said it's the end of music. But of course it wasn't. It just generated an entirely new type of music on top of it. So this is what you believe, that this is just going to keep adding layers of creativity and imagination.
1: My fundamental belief is not going to replace creativity. It's going to enhance creativity. I really see it more like a co-pilot to allow human to be even more creative and more Advanced in their expression, so the things which were taking years of learning and training and fine-tuning, now you can do it easier and faster, and it's open an opportunity for more people to be creative. Years ago, when people think I cannot learn to use Photoshop, it's too complicated. Today, there's no excuse. It's so available. It's available to many you know, applications on mobile. Now, with generative AI, it's became even more affordable. You can create. And you can be even a good artist without taking years of education, for good or for bad. And you can use this not only for like fun, but also you can create for your business. Think about marketing. Today's marketing is really constrained with the creatives they can create and use. If they can create unlimited amount of creatives themselves, that means they can do much more marketing. They can try many different things without going back to designers and, you
0: know, artists asking for new creatives. I think I was reading 68% of Pixar users take an AI-generated image and continue to edit it. Those people that don't understand where it fits in the creative process, describe how people are using this as a tool in their creative process. It's a part of
1: the process. If you have no idea how to start, you can start with AI. You can ask different prompts and you can see what is generated. But down the road, if you don't like whatever is created, you can mask part of the image, for example. You don't like this person's face, you can just mask it and place this face with another face. Or you don't like this object on the picture, like the tree, you say remove it. On the final phase, you say, oh, okay, I want to make it look like a cartoon. And actually, one of the biggest blockers we see is like Starting from a black canvas and AI can generate like 10 different ideas and then you can pick one and then keep exploring it until you get something you really want. I think that's another power of AI, solving these
0: blockers down the road. So if people are constantly in the digital world creating these things, how do you imagine that's going to impact the physical world? It's often the case that people think that the addition of something will kill something else. But actually, it just changes the relationship. How do you think that will impact human behavior? If you think about
1: solo brands, like they need to create a nice storefront, they need to create good like product placement, they need to create a marketing material to sell physical goods online. Before AI, you need to hire like freelancers to do photoshoots and then you know create a landing page. And now there's an easy way to do that. It is about how we can use this
0: technology to help make them productive, make them uh, successful solopreneurs. So whatever percentage of commerce it is today is going to go through the roof because the limitations have been taken away. I think that e-commerce is going to be
1: democratized as well. We're talking about democratizing creativity, but also we are democratizing e-commerce, democratizing marketing, because everybody can do this giving everybody a power to create and earn money online and
0: be very productive. Of course, every major revolution from the agrarian revolution to the industrial revolution has always required a major shift in the workforce. The digital technology revolution has just hit a moment and whatever change we've seen today is only just the beginning. And we're gonna see radical shifts in the way that people are gonna work creatively, can we talk about that? What's the human input in the gen AI creative process?
1: The biggest problem of making this technology game-changers is human inertia. Technology is already powerful enough to make the big change. But how many people are using that? People really need to start shifting their mindset to really use this technology efficiently. Every new technology, there are people hesitating to change. You know, people talk about Chat BGPT, but how many people use ChatGPT still stays on the beginner level and never go to the more advanced level? And it's surprising to me because you know as soon as you start using this technology, you can really understand. And if people are not using
0: it today, that means they're still thinking old way. On a previous episode we had Brian Chesky from Airbnb, and he was talking about introducing AI, and he actually declared a call to arms for creative people to get involved. He said Don't ignore it, get involved, because the world's most creative people are gonna only enhance the ability of gen AI. If it's not just in the hands of technologists, you've got to jump in and learn from it and then help teach it. 100%. So the most stupid thing I think
1: people are doing, just they're fighting with the new technology instead of embracing it. You cannot fight the technology, technology is already there. You cannot uninvent it, right? If it's invented already
0: and it's already, people see the value of it, fighting with this technology is useless. I have a teenage son about to go to college. So, and it used to be in the last 10 or 20 years, you would be like, well, go learn how to write computer code, right? So not sure I want to send him to do that. It may well be that in the past he would have learned filmmaking or art. This question is really to try and understand the interaction between the human and the gen AI, right? Talk to us about those skills which will be premium in the future?
1: So I'm a GPT user from almost day one, and I'm using it several hours a day, predominantly for coding. And what I discover is problem-solving skills. is going to be more important than understanding a certain language. So understanding Python or C++ or Java will be less and less important, but understanding how to solve a problem and understand what kind of a design patterns you should apply, what kind of architecture you can do. Thinking big picture, I think this gives like everybody an opportunity to become a director. And here you have a GPT and the text to image. These your your workers, basically. You have like, many of them now. And now you can direct them to do
0: stuff. And then you assemble the final picture. So the human's role is to orchestrate, is to curate, is to take the inputs and prompt them and make them be their vision. How should educational establishments start, or even big technology companies start thinking about the types of people in the future they should be looking to educate or to hire? I think the education should radically be changed
1: because the focus up until now was training specific skills which could be easily automated, ignoring a lot of skills which cannot be automated yet. I think that kind of things are much more important today
0: than basic programming or or understanding of the language skills. So I loved it when you said problem solve because it feels to me as if problems that we never even thought we could solve we will begin to solve because we're not spending every minute making the thing in the first place but actually going up the chain and starting to think about exponential problems that we've never thought we could but the machine is doing the hard work. Is that Fair to say? Absolutely. We can really go one level higher. If I'm a
1: developer, I could be team lead. If I'm team lead, I could be a director. Because now I can have a, you know more productivity. I can do much more today. And I do have lots of assistance available. And they're taking my job and executing it, and they're bringing me results. And I'm a, as a human, I'm really thinking, okay, this is good, this is bad. Okay, redo it until I get what I need. It could be different tomorrow, but for now, I believe we are still giving humans Uh, superpower. And if you didn't really realize it, somebody is going to realize it and will take your job. It's not necessarily AI taking your job. It's somebody who is
0: using this superpower is going to take your job. You're really talking about a massive productivity leap of what people will be able to make because of these tools. Pixar, it seems to me, is a generational gen AI in that 80% of your users are under 35. Have you designed it specifically for that, or is that just happened. It was
1: designed specifically for that. It started because of my daughter, and uh, I was always thinking how we can empower mobile-first users to be native to creativity. am my heart, I'm also an educator. I used to teach at the universities. i do lots of educational programs, and I want to educate people. I think education is the biggest benefit we can provide. So, I, you know, I, I see Pixat as a way for me to educate Gen Z's to be creative and productive and make amazing stuff and enjoy it. Every minute you spend on Pixar,
0: it will make you slightly better. It sounds to me like there's going to be a series of different Gen AIs. You've trained yours on a particular set of issues. Of course, the big name in the field is OpenAI, but I think I'm right in saying you have a little bit more of a walled garden approach? Is that how you see the future? What we call it, fine-tuned models. So you take like something which
1: is more like foundational model and you fine-tune for your particular use case and your audience. Today in AI, companies are taking foundational models and fine-tuning for their use case, creating a flywheel when they you know see how the users use, what the image they produce, or the internal proprietary data they have, and they feed it back to the model and fine-tune it for the particular use case. We measure utilization rate, we measure conversion for each tool, and we try to optimize it. And then we look what, what is, you know people are using for, and what was good, what was bad, and then using good to retrain it. How different is that to other AI models? Most of the models are different, not necessarily fundamentally how they build, but what that data sets they, they use. It's a data set which makes your model unique. Different now versus nine months ago. Nine months ago, we think like, okay, we just throw more data, the better the model will be. Now understand, it's not about the amount of data you put in a model and training. It's about the quality of data. So even like small data but high quality could produce better models than just a large amount of crappy data sets. They should be humanly curated. And human feedback basically allows to filter and create better data sets. I think that's what I see as an advantage for companies like us and our size versus Microsoft's of the world, is to really focus on fine-tuning the models and making it better for their existing customers
0: today, just to solve your customer case better than anybody else. These cycles go on and on, don't they? Things break up, and then they get bundled together, and then they break up, and then they get bundled together. What seems to be a single thing becomes multi-niche. One of the things that people were struck by was the the writer's strike in Hollywood. By the end, it seemed as if there was this recognition that if a writer wrote something and the AI helped them, the writer still got the credit. It seemed to me Mm. an understanding by a fairly major creative force that AI is here, that we have to acknowledge it, that humans can still get credit for the role they play with it, and that there, are some, there is some recognition that it's going to impact people. What did you learn from how that particular industry handled their relationship with AI? For
1: me, it's a kind of very delicate moment. I really understand it's going to harm certain people. It's unfortunate, and it's already there. But it's going to happen. Genie is out of bottle already, and it's you know, what, we are, what it's the smart things to do. And I tell the same to my daughter, is just embrace it. But you can use it as an advantage. And do not try to compete, try to embrace and use it. Because the value is so big for society at large. And even if certain groups are going to suffer, I don't think the society is ready to you know say no to this technology.
0: As a creative person, those existential threats do come up, don't they? Do you go learn drawing or painting? Or is that just going to be done by technology in the future? And the basic human enjoyment and fulfillment that comes from actually doing it yourself is replaced by technology. What you lose is some of the artisanal creativity, some of the crafts that have created generations of pleasure for humans.
1: This existential threat is going to exist even for companies. I give you a very good example Adobe. You know, when AI was introduced, people think about it's the end of Adobe because who really needs Photoshop? Adobe can start fight with this technology to make it slower, but instead they just embrace it. They announce tons of AI tools and building a product. They understand if they cannot fight, they should lead. I think this is also on an individual level. If you you cannot fight, then you should lead with this. You don't need to be the victim of this. Uh, you need to be a beneficiary of it. Every company needs to rethink their strategy, how they deal with AI, and every artist should do that, and every, even every person should do that. You know, in, a, in his life, there will be some impact regardless. It's a new electricity. It's a transformational technology. It's going to change our lives. Willingly or unwillingly, we need to use it. And it's better to do it willingly and do it with a purpose and do it with the, do it
0: faster than later. Engagement is the best way to deal with the existential opportunity and challenge of Gen AI. Get involved, find out where you fit, learn and relearn reskill. It's as exciting as it is scary as a lot of things are in the world today. With every opportunity we see challenge, that's not a question anymore. I don't know whether you remember the movie Wally by Pixar. And I actually helped with the marketing of Wally. If you remember, humans had gone off into spaceships and were sitting there with slurpees and overweight and they'd trashed the planet. It couldn't be more dystopian. How do you you react to that version of the future?
1: What I see is there's a lot of work for us to do. If we have more time to do, you know, like hobbies, it's a good thing, but we need to really like fill it with the right things. So not necessarily like sitting and drinking and having fun, but also doing something meaningful. I think that's our purpose. We never, you know, we've never been designed to be idle for a very long period of time. And you know, if we we get idle for a long period of time, which have no purpose, it's all bad things happen. I think we should
0: always think about the purpose. What else we can do uh, with all the power now we have. It's both a super exhilarating time, challenging time, and it feels like Pixar is really focused right at the bleeding edge of it. And a whole new generation of people are going to have an incredible set of tools Let's look forward to a future where creativity expands. And I think that's the challenge. If you look back the last 500 years, it seems every time there's a new technology, humans find a way to move up the chain, do more with it, create solutions to things that we didn't even think that we could. I appreciate your openness to talking about the goods, the bads, the, the awesome opportunity that is Gen uh, AI, and sharing your story about Pixar today, Johannes. Thanks so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. My conversation with Hovhanes from Pixar was fascinating. We got into some really incredible conversations around the capabilities of AI, how it can help the creative process leap it forward, and some of the challenges of it replacing some elements of creativity. This is an AI that's being trained on a certain age group, and their interactions creatively with Pixar is going to create a certain type of AI, just as we're having conversations in other episodes about different types of AIs trained on different audiences. The generation of Hannes is focused on is Gen Z, and they're often using Pixar to create images or manipulate images or change images and then post them or make them be a part of their own self-expression. And the question then comes on, will it help creativity or hinder creativity? Will it enhance it? And at what point do you use AI? And at what point don't you? And again, a very open and frank conversation about it replacing certain things that you love, but it also enhancing all kinds of things that you love in that realm of creativity, which is such a defining part of the human condition. There certainly will be some good in terms of its ability to leap forward in terms of creativity and certainly some challenges. So in the short term, I'm gonna guess huge amount of potential. And the question is long-term, where does that leave us as the human race? That's all for this episode. If you're a new listener, be sure to subscribe to Leaders in Innovation wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you like this episode, give it a rating, five star would be awesome, and review it on Apple Podcasts if you would. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you want to hear more of. You can email us at podcast at fastcompany.com or tweet us, hashtag leaders in innovation. Leaders in Innovation is a production of Fast Company in partnership with founder FNDR. Couldn't afford the vowels. Our executive producer is Joshua Christensen, produced and edited by Matt Toda, sound design by Nicholas Torres. The writing is Matias Sanchez, also ably assisted by a merry band of Camilla, LJ, Hannah, Nikki, Naomi, Nick. This podcast is done in collaboration with my amazing partners at Founder, Stephen Butler, Rebecca Jeffries, and Nick Barron.